ahead and dismiss our Sunday school classes. And I'll go to your individual Sunday school classes. All right, did everyone get to their classes all right? <laughs> uh, do you need a study sheet? Now, we're going to finish up where we left off last week. So if you were here last week and you got your study sheet, we're going to pick right up. If not, raise your hand and we will get one to you. And actually, this has been the last two weeks that we've been dealing with this subject. And if you have your outline there... The heading that we are under is the application, and under application, capital C, we're looking at capital C, how to get faith. And I know we covered this last week, we'll cover it quickly this week, and then we'll get on to how to lose your faith, uh, which obviously is something that we do not want to do. But we're going to be in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is where we're going to be. Hebrews chapter 11, the book of Hebrews chapter 11, and this is, like I said, our springboard. This is the definition, the biblical definition of faith, and so once you find it, Hebrews chapter 11, we'll go ahead and stand in reverence to God's word. Hebrews chapter 11, and verse number 1, the book of Hebrews chapter 11, and beginning in verse number 1. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can rely on you, we can depend on you. Father, we can put our total trust in you and know, Lord, that we'll not be ashamed that you'll not fail us, you'll not leave us, you'll not forsake us. And Lord, I pray that as we consider faith this morning, I pray that it would strengthen ours. Lord, the, by your word promises that it would not return void. And Lord God, we are going to be in it this morning. We rely on you, we trust in you, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can go ahead and be seated. Now, we've done a lot up to this point concerning faith, and faith is so vital. First of all, you can't get saved without faith. And then after that, you can't go forward in your Christian life without faith. You're not going to get baptized if you don't have faith. You're not going to join your, your church if you don't have faith. You're certainly not going to get active in your church if you don't have faith. You're not going to take the step of tithing. Uh, uh, You're not going to do that without faith. And of course, there is so much in our Christian walk. Your entire Christian walk uh, is predicated on, on whether or not you have faith. And so how to get faith? And of course, last week we uh, said this, number one, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's step number one. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. That's your faith. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So you have you have faith there in its total act. First of all, you have the belief 
where the Bible says that with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Now remember, faith brings about works, does it not? And so with, with uh, uh, the, the believing of the heart, you have righteousness, and then that belief will cause that confession. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And you see that even in your salvation, whereas salvation without works uh, obviously is dead. Listen, number two, listen to the word of God. Listen to the word of God. This is why your Bible reading, your church attendance, it is so vital because without it, you're not filling, you're not feeding the spirit in your life. And if the spirit in your life is not being fed, then you're feeding the flesh. The flesh is going to be stronger than the spirit and the flesh has no faith. And of course, we know that the, the flesh uh, is, uh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's what Jesus told Peter. Romans chapter 10, verse number eight. What saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. Romans eight seventeen. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So listen to the word of God. Number three, have the fruit of the Spirit. Have the fruit of the Spirit. My, uh, we can certainly see the progression here. You're saved by faith, and then you feed that Spirit that is now in your life. You feed that with the Word of God. And as the Spirit gets uh, uh, stronger in your life, you, you begin to produce the fruit of the Spirit which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 22 through 23. Number four, number four, go through tests of adversity. And so here is the progression here. You're saved. You're taking steps of faith. Well, you're, you're listening to the word of God. You're feeding uh, your spirit. Uh, you now are possessing fruit and you're producing fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. And now you're going to go through tests of adversity. And in James chapter 1, verse number 3, James says that the trying of your faith worketh patience and that's how you're producing greater fruit in your Christian life. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 7, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, it might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And so as we go through hardships, as we go through tests, as we go through adversity in our Christian life, and God gets us through those things. We, our faith is just going to grow. It's going to increase. And then you're going to be able to minister to others who are going through hardships and trials and adversity. Particularly if they're going through exactly what you've already gone through in your Christian life. This is how God got me through. And this is what needs to be done. Okay, capital D. Not that we want anyone to lose your faith. These are things that uh, we don't want to do. How to lose your faith. How to lose your faith. Number one, some depart. Some depart from the faith. Remember that one of the ways to get faith is by hearing the word of God. 
being in church, uh, being uh, consistent with your Bible study, with your Bible reading, well, you just begin to cut that off, and literally you're starting that departure from your faith. As people begin to miss church services, you start to see uh, the opposite of progression in their life as they begin to depart from the faith. By the way, departing from the faith isn't something that you just decide to do one day. Uh, departing from the faith, it starts with being inconsistent in your Bible reading, being inconsistent in your church attendance, being inconsistent in your prayer life. And, and you begin to be less and less consistent. And boy, uh, if you've been in church for any amount of time, you've seen this pattern in people. Pretty soon they're not going to all the church services, whereas at one point they were. And you begin to see them erratic in their in their uh in their attendance and they're also i guarantee you erratic in their bible reading and then that departure has begun it's not an overnight thing but they depart from the faith in first timothy chapter 4 verse number 1 the bible says that the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith and here's how they do it giving heed to seducing spirits. And so there's always that entity that is trying to seduce you and keep you away from your Bible reading, seducing you and keeping you out of church. And, of course, these things can be things that are not wrong in and of, in and of themselves, but pretty soon that, that sport becomes to be more, uh, starts to become more important than the church services and the church activities or or that job or the finances or whatever it may be what we we start having other things that are seducing us that activity that hobby uh these seducing spirits maybe it's just an attitude maybe it's bitterness but uh the spirit speaketh expressly that means that it's, uh, it's emphasized. We've got to guard our lives that some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So some depart from the faith. Number two, some deny the faith. And I would say that this is part of the progression. You depart and uh, uh, pretty soon, not only are you departing, but you're denying. You're denying the faith. And this is how uh, professing Christians can one day uh, actually claim atheism in their lives. And we've seen that happen. Say, so, well, how in the world does that happen? Happens in one of two ways. One, they either made a false profession and were never saved to begin with. Or two, they've departed from the faith now they're denying the faith. And boy, what a danger, dangerous place to be. It's one thing when the lost blaspheme God. It's another thing when a child of God blasphemes God. It's a very dangerous place to be. But some deny the faith, 1 Timothy 5.8. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. 
So we can deny our faith just in our, in, in our daily actions. My, when, when a man's not providing for his household, the Bible says that's a form of denying the faith, not doing what uh, he's supposed to do. God's called us to do that. And so when we're not doing what God has called us to do, by the way, if I'm not tithing, uh, I'm denying the faith. If I'm not attending a uh, church, I'm denying the faith. And, and of course, the, those denials can get greater and greater. Number three, some cast off their faith. They cast off their faith. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5.12, having damnation because they have cast off their first faith. They've, they think it's a garment that you can just take off. The problem is, when you cast it off, if you are a child of God, then there is, um, there's consequences. One of the things you're going to find in the word of God is that we are, we are saved from hell, but we are not saved from hell on earth. And a lot of times we bring that hell on earth into our own lives by departing from the faith, by denying the faith, or by casting off our faith and so um uh the bible talks about having damnation because they've cast off their first faith well you find in god's word that god is a lot harder on his children than he is on the world because the world's gonna get theirs and it's gonna be an eternal an eternal type of punishment well, God tries to keep us straight here in this life because we are saved and on our way to an eternal heaven. And, of course, uh, the book of Hebrews even bears that out, that God chastises his children in this life and in this time. And so when we cast off our faith, my, that is, uh, that is certain, a certain way of experiencing hell on earth, uh, punishment, just like our parents. Um, you know, other kids are out there doing much worse, but when, when we're doing it, our parents always would tell us, well, so-and-so is not my kid, you are, so bend over. Um, or you are, so go to your room. I mean, that's just the way that, the way that it was. That's the way that, that it is with us. God tells us, they're not my children. They are condemned already. You are my child, so bend over is exactly what he says. The, uh, the Bible says that he chastises his children. And then uh, number four, some cast off the faith. Number three, number four, some err from the faith. They err from the faith. You know what? I guess, thanks for doing that, Scott. I've totally, totally spaced it. I guess I really don't need this. You guys are getting them all, aren't you? I just looked down and I thought, you know, we're supposed to be having a presentation here, but it's there. I could have said nothing and you'd have thought, man, he's got his act together. And now I've confessed to all you priests out there. Some air from the faith. First Timothy 6.20. Oh, Timothy. Keep that which is committed to thy trust, 
avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Some err from the faith, and I love how Paul writes, vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called. You know, anything that is contrary to God and is called science is falsely so-called. It's not really science at all. And, of course, science, real science, bears that out. We know that you cannot have anything that is orderly without a designer. You just can't. Um, Cars have a lot of working parts in them. They didn't just one day evolve and you have a car to drive. If, if we left it up to nature, then that which is orderly actually becomes chaos. Yet, that's exactly what evolution teaches, just the opposite of that. That which is chaos became orderly. That's like um, tearing up your Bible and then throwing it up in the air and expecting all the books to fall right in place. That's not going to happen. If you try it a billion times, the pages are never going to fall in place. Uh, however, somebody put this thing together. Somebody, uh, somebody typed it and somebody uh, copied it and, and, and someone put it together. Just like the creation in which we live in. It is, it is an orderly machine, and it is a machine that obviously had a designer. Of course, the Bible bears that out. God was the designer. He was the creator. He is the one that brought it into existence. The Bible also tells us he maintains it, that he keeps it all together. And so this science falsely so-called, there, there are those who actually believe in theistic evolution that god started it and just left it and, and and let it but if god just left it what would happen to it it would become chaos wouldn't it and so uh there's really no room in science true science for evolution because our creation is so in order your bodies everything that has to work just so you could get up this morning. I don't know about you, but I thank God every morning just for the ability to get up because he's the maintainer of all of this. And so uh, those who have, those who have, um, who err from the faith, and I would say theistic evolution is one of those errors, and there are others. All right, some err from the faith. Number five, some have their faith overthrown. Some have their faith overthrown. Paul, in continuing to write to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 18, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. And so now we have these false teachers that, have, have, that are saying that the resurrection is already past. And so these false teachers has, have overthrown the faith of, uh, of weaker Christians who now are believing these false doctrines. We don't want to have our faith overthrown. Our faith needs to be based on the word of God. All right. 
That's how you can lose your faith. False teachers, believing in, fa- uh, in, in uh, science, falsely so-called, and things of that nature. Denying the faith, departing from the faith, casting off your faith. Okay, capital E. Capital E. Who can have faith? Who can have faith? Well, number one, children can have faith. Children can have faith. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in Mark chapter 9, verse 42, that whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it's better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. Now, we also know that Jesus says that we need to have faith as a little child if we're going to enter into the kingdom. So children can have faith. Number two, anyone can have faith. Anyone can have faith. I'm so glad that there is not a, um, well, that there is not a, a, a number we have to achieve or that there's, not a, uh, that there's not something we have to achieve to get faith. Anyone can have it. The Bible tells us that Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. Mark uh, chapter 11, I believe it's verse 23. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. But notice it says, whosoever shall say. Not certain individuals that say it, but whosoever shall say. And so anyone can have faith okay letter f letter f what we should have faith in what we should have faith in you don't want to have faith in something that's not going to come through for you faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen and hebrews chapter 11 goes on and the bible says that they had faith in god's word verse number three of hebrews chapter 11 through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. The word of God is a good thing to have faith in. What should we have faith in? Number one, faith in God. Faith in God. John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Let not your heart be troubled. Hey, don't be troubled. As we look around at the things that are going on, the the gas prices shouldn't trouble us. I mean, they are troubling, and it, it's sad. It's sad that we're seeing things happen that are happening. It's, uh, but we shouldn't be troubled by it. By it, we shouldn't be. We shouldn't be so concerned and worried. Oh my, what's going to happen to us? Well, God's got us in His hands. So have faith in God. If we have faith in the economy, be troubled. Um, If you have faith in the political system, be troubled. If you have faith in the worldly judicial system, be troubled. But if you have faith in God, let not your heart be troubled. All these things that are happening haven't taken God by surprise. They've taken us by surprise. But the last two years has been a huge surprise to us. But you know that God already knew it was going to happen. And God has gotten us through. He'll continue to get us through. And so faith in God. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. 
believe also in me. That was great advice that the apostles did not, t- did not listen to. Because as soon as Jesus died on the cross, it took them all by surprise, even though Jesus had warned them over and over it was going to happen. And boy, were they troubled. But Jesus told them, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, I believe also in me. So faith in God. Also, number two, as I already said, faith in God's word. John 5, 46. Jesus said, for had ye believed Moses, you would have believed me. For he, Moses, wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? And that was those who were questioning Jesus and his claim to be the Messiah. Jesus would also say, uh, to, to search the scriptures, in them you will find me. But faith in God's word. You know, when your heart begins to get troubled, here's my advice to you, because this is what I do. Go to the book of Psalms and just start reading. The book of Psalms is one of those books that will bring you back and will cause you to be mindful of the fact or just remind you that God is in charge, that God is good, God is gracious, God is loving, God is forgiving, and God is almighty and all-powerful. And the book of Psalms will do that to you. My, when, uh, when, you uh, start, uh, when your heart is starting to get troubled, and when you start to be concerned, and you find that your life is filled with anxiety, and by the way, we all, we all get there. The book of Psalms... Um, it's probably the best medication. I know it has been for me, and I trust it will be for you also because it's part of the Word of God. I think it's it's that one book that we uh, that we uh, well that we underestimate, but it is the Word of God. You know, the Psalms are full of prophecies, full of encouragement. How many times in the New Testament that the the book of Psalms is quoted. It, it's an amazing book. There's a reason that it's right in the middle of your Bible and that it is the longest book in all the Bible and contains the longest chapter in all the Bible. It is a tremendous, tremendous book. In the book of Psalms, you find the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's just really remarkable. And it's also very, very comforting. And so it'll do exactly for you what we want the Word of God to do for us. So faith in God's Word. Number three, faith in the Gospel. The word Gospel simply just means good news. Good news. Faith in the Gospel. I bring you good tidings, a great joy, which shall be to all people. That's the definition of the Gospel right there. Mark 1.15 The time is fulfilled. Jesus said, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Believe the gospel. Number three. I'm sorry, number four. Faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus. We already quoted one verse. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. That was Jesus saying that. In John 17, I'm sorry, John chapter 20, verse 31 
but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Believing you might have life through his name. All right. So let's move on to the example. The example. So we're going to camp here for the rest of the service and finish up with this. You know, it's unfortunate that all men have not faith, according to 2 Thessalonians 3, verse number 2. It's by faith that we are saved, Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace are ye saved through faith. And by faith that we please God, Hebrews eleven six. without faith it's impossible to please God. Faith can do the impossible. The apostles said to Jesus, or requested to Jesus, increase our faith. In Luke 17, 5, they had seen Jesus give sight to the blind, cleanse the leper, cast out devils, cause the lame to walk because of the faith of the individuals. They heard Jesus say to others, according to your faith, be it unto you. And so the apostles said, would you, would you increase our faith? They wanted a deeper, stronger, and increased faith. Jesus answered their request to increase their faith with a statement and a parable. And so we're going to turn to Luke chapter 17, and we'll finish off with this this morning. Luke chapter 17, the book of Luke chapter 17. And there's some things that we learn about faith through this example that Jesus gives. Luke chapter 17. Verse number five. The apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Verse number six. And the Lord said, if ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea and it should obey you. But which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say unto him by and by? When he has come from the field, go and sit down to meet, and will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me, till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he think that servant, because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, Say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. And so the first thing that we learn from this example that Jesus gives us of faith with the master and the servant, number one, uh, faith statement in Luke chapter 7, verse number 6. Number one, we find faith is a choice. Faith is a choice. So people often ask, what, what is the secret to faith? How do I take that step of faith and begin to tithe? It's a choice. You either choose to do it or you choose not to do it. There's no magic wand. There's no magic formula. There's no magic incantation or chant. It's a choice. You choose, I'm going to trust God you choose, I'm going to be the servant and allow him to be the master because that's the parable here. That's the choice that you make. Luke 17, 6. The Lord said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, 
Ye might say unto the sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. My, maybe that sycamine tree, or maybe that mountain, or maybe that hurdle, or maybe that obstacle is your finances. God says if you have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, which, by the way, was the smallest, it was the smallest seed in that area at that time. And so this would be very relatable to them. He says, that's all you need to make that choice that, okay, I'm going to trust my finances to God. Now, he's not saying it's an easy choice, but it is a choice nonetheless. It's a choice. Number two, he says, it is attainable. It's attainable. In other words... Anyone can do it. And we've already pointed that out, that whosoever. Boy, if you say to this mountain, go be cast into the sea, whosoever. So it is attainable. And number three, it does the impossible. So we see from Faith's statement, this, this is an impossibility, what Jesus is talking about. But the average person looking at the tithe it's an impossibility, especially in today's uh, economical world in which we live. Now, for Christians who've been saved for a long time, and you've been, you've been tithing for many, many years, you look at it as the opposite. I think it's impossible not to tithe because I need God's blessing in my life. But look at it from a worldly standpoint. Look at, look at it from the world. Look at it from a brand new Christian who's just getting saved and, and is just hearing these things for the very first time. Man, 10%. Someone the other day was asking, is that 10% before taxes or after taxes? Well, it has been my experience from the Christians that I have known and that I know, they give God 10% of the gross. They, they, their experience is that it's the first fruits. That if, uh, you know, the government's going to take what they're going to take, but God's number one. He's going to replace that. And, but from a, from a secular standpoint, from a worldly standpoint, the world looks at that and says, Wow, that is crazy. That is nuts, and I understand that. But I also understand this. Faith does the impossible. We're talking about a Savior who died on the cross, rose again, and here in a couple weeks we celebrate his resurrection. Do you know how impossible that is? Yet you had to believe that to be saved. That's what we trusted in. Well, if we can trust in uh, a man who became the Messiah who died, was buried, and then rose again, this is a man who can produce 10% of our income that we give back to him just to show our gratitude, our thanks, our love for him. Faith does the impossible. Faith shut up the mouths of lions. You can read all through Hebrews chapter 11. Faith... uh, Faith added 24 hours to a day in the book of Joshua. Uh, 
faith is a remarkable thing when our faith is in God, when our faith is in the word of God, when our faith is in the gospel, and when our faith is in Jesus Christ. Faith does the, the, the impossible. Okay, capital B. Faith's parable. Faith's parable. Faith is increased when we serve. It's increased when we serve. I've noticed this in my personal Christian life. The people who serve the most have the most faith. Very few people who attend all the church services and attend all the church activities have a problem with faith. I mean, we all run into it from time to time. And I know that we can also get to a point in our Christian lives where we're just going through the motions. We're doing everything. But like the church in Ephesus, we can lose our first love. But the more that we serve, the more we're going to see God come through over and over and over again. Faith is increased as we serve. Verse number 7, Luke chapter 17. Which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say unto him by and by when he has come from the field, go sit down to meet. Faith is increased as we serve. Number two, faith is increased as we put God first. Matthew chapter 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. By the way, I call... Me personally, I call Matthew chapter 6 the anxiety chapter because it's all about the things that we worry about. Jesus talks about the fact we worry about food, we worry about clothing, we worry about our necessities. And, and then God goes out into nature and says, you look at the lily. The lily doesn't worry about these things, and yet the lily is, is beautiful in all of its glory, and yet God loves you more than he loves the lily. And then God talks about the, uh, the sparrow, how that the sparrow doesn't worry about where it's going to get its next meal. And yet God considers us to be worth a whole lot more than sparrows. And then he comes to the conclusion, as he says, we shouldn't have to worry. He talks about the fact that we don't add to our stature by worrying at all. We don't add to our lives Worrying does not add to your life. Worrying takes away from your life. And there's a lot of health problems that come about from worrying. Cavities can be caused by worrying. Ulcers can be caused by worrying. Um, all kinds of things can be caused by worrying. So we do not add to our stature. And so he comes to this conclusion Jesus does in this lesson in Matthew chapter 6. And and he concludes in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 33, that if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all of these things shall be added unto you. All these things he's just talked about, your food, your clothing, your necessities. No, God's not saying he's going to make you rich. He's not saying he's going to make you wealthy. He's not saying that you're going to wake up one day and you're going to look in your uh, bank account and there mysteriously there's going to be a huge number in there he doesn't say that you can go to the atm one day it's just going to start spitting out hundred dollar bills but he does say that if you seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness put your faith and trust in him make him the priority in your life all these things shall be added unto you one of the most frustrating things for me and talking to these bankers 
is that, hey, our church has been here for 30 years. We've never missed a bill. We've never missed uh, uh, we've never missed a paycheck. We've never missed a meal. We've never missed rent. We've never missed any of these things. And uh, uh, you can't explain faith to lost bankers, and I get that, and I understand that. But praise the Lord, we've lived it. We've experienced it. We've seen it. And if you are uh, living for God today, you're experiencing it in your own life. Faith is increased by serve. Uh, when we, as we serve, number two, faith is increased as we put God first. Number three, faith is increased as we do not look for appreciation. Look at Luke chapter 17, verse number nine. Doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? Jesus says, no, I trow not. Many times we get upset. Well, I just don't feel appreciated. Well, First of all, I think we ought to appreciate people. I, I do. But if that's why I'm doing it, I'm doing it for the wrong reasons. And man, am I going to get discouraged. I am going to be frustrated. Faith is increased as we do not look for appreciation. Number four, faith is increased as we go beyond our duty. Look, Luke 17, verse number 10, we'll conclude with this. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, We're unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Hey, the, the faithful servant is just doing what he's supposed to do. As Christians, if we're faithful, wow, I've been doing this uh, in, in the church, and this in the church, and this in the church. Well, we've just done what we're supposed to We've done what we're supposed to. Um, Paul challenges. He says that it is, uh, it's the least that we can do. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. Wow, so I present my body a living sacrifice, and the Bible says that's just that's reasonable. Well, look at what Jesus did for us. I could certainly always do more. Okay, we're going to go ahead and stop right there. We have about 10 minutes before the, uh, before the actual service this morning. So go ahead.